And good morning to everybody. <clears throat> you turn on your TV set, and most probably you will be watching one of those reality TV shows. And there are so many reality TV shows out there, and that we will run out of time just to mention all the titles of the shows that, are, that is out there. Some shows make sense, some shows you try to make sense, and some shows has no sense at all even being aired on TV. Some are good, some are not so good. Some will entertain you, some will inform you, and some you will roll your eyes and ask yourself, why in heaven's name did they allow that on TV? And it seems like that there's one new show coming out every week. So today we will continue the sermon series titled The Reality Christianity. Remember this. Real life begins only when you enter into a relationship with the Almighty God, our Creator. Only then real life begins, for life begins and ends in Him only. For Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Then again He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Real life can only be found in Him and Him alone, for He is the author of life. Life that is apart from Him is not life at all. There are three sermons in this Reality Christianity series. It is Reality Christianity. That's the first in the series was the biggest loser, winning by losing. Realize that no one who followed Jesus Christ who had not given up something. Throughout the history of Christianity, many gave up their lives for God's cause. Willing to die rather than compromise their faith. Willing to deny themselves of what the world has to offer them. Jesus called Matthew and he said, Come, follow me. Matthew stood up, leaving behind his tax collector's booth in a very lucrative business that makes money hand over fist. Then again he said to Peter, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Peter dropped down his fishing net and his only source of his livelihood, and followed Jesus Christ. After Zacchaeus had dinner with Jesus, Zacchaeus immediately called a press conference and announced that he is giving half of his possessions to the poor. And if he defrauded anyone or of anything, he is willing to pay back four times as much. And because he was willing to lose and to let go of his possessions, 
he was willing to forsake it. He was willing to walk away from it. He was willing to part ways with his possessions. Jesus announced to everybody and to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house. There is one thing in common to this, about these three people. They were all willing to lose everything to gain Jesus Christ. The question for all of us is, have we given up anything for Jesus? What did we give up for Jesus? The second sermon in this series, The Fear Factor. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The point is, no fear of the Lord, no wisdom. The fear of the Lord is not to be afraid of God. How can you have a sincere, loving, intimate relationship with God if you are afraid of Him? Psalms 103 verse 11 says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. I will talk to you more about the fear factor in a short while. The third sermon in the series is the amazing race. The Bible is full of images to help us understand the Christian life. Christian life can be compared to running the race. And to run the race, we have to leave everything behind that will hinder us or slow us down as we run the race. This amazing race is not a sprint. It's not a hundred-meter dash. It's a marathon. It requires discipline. It requires diligence. It requires practice. It requires endurance, stamina, and patience. And you will need amazing grace to finish this amazing race. So there you have it, three sermons of the Reality Christianity series. And today, the second sermon in the series, The Fear Factor. Let us bow our heads and let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God. You said in your word, when there are two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them, Lord God. Lord, we are more than two, we are more than three. And we know that you are in this place, Lord God. Lord, we ask that you will have preeminence in this service, Lord God. That you will move freely and mightily in our hearts and in our midst this morning, Lord God. Help us to understand your word, Lord God. Help us to tremble at your word, O oh God. And Lord, we will give you back all the glory. And we will be very careful to give you all the honor, all the praises that belongs to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Have you ever watched one of those episodes of the Fear Factor, that reality TV show? You know, the objective of the show is basically to bring the contestant to the limit of their fear until they crack. 
They will put the contestants in a cage full of snakes or a cockroach or whatever. They will make them eat something that is hard to tell and make them drink a concoction of some sort. Who knows what it is. And make them walk on a tight rope high above a building or dangle in midair somewhere. And whoever remains and has overcome their fears wins $50,000. Fear fact. One Sunday morning down in South, uh, the preacher was late for the morning service. The people were getting impatient. You know, they, they were looking at their watches. They're wagging their their risk. They were impatient already. They were looking around already. And suddenly, the devil showed up behind the pulpit. And it was instantaneous pandemonium. Everybody panicked. Everybody was afraid and fearful of the devil. Everybody ran to the exit. They some jumped to the window. And in a matter of few seconds, the church was empty, except for one man sitting in front of the front pew. He was looking at the devil eyeball to eyeball. And the devil looked at him and said, Are you not afraid of me? And the man said, I am not afraid of you. And the devil said, why not? And the man said, because I've been married to your sister for 20 years. Yeah. So he's not afraid anymore of the devil. <laughs> Let's read Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to 4. Can you read that? It's... Uh, Oh, kind of small, eh? Or maybe you can cut it in half. I don't know. <clears throat> Let me read it. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering to one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and set out for a place God had told him about. Verse 9, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife 
to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. For I know now that you truly fear God. I tell you, that was a tough, tough, tough test of faith. And by obeying God, God proved that Abraham feared God. Just only take verse 3. After receiving, after receiving the command from God, verse 3, the next morning Abraham got up early. I, I read it again and again and again, and I don't see any hint of any hesitation on the part of Abraham. A mother asked her five-year-old son, Johnny, to go to the pantry to get her a can of tomato soup. Johnny refused and protested. It's dark in there. But mommy assured Johnny, it's okay, son. Don't be afraid. Jesus is in there. So Johnny walked slowly and opened the door and seeing that it was dark, and shouted, Jesus, can you hand me a can of tomato soup? Fear can have a negative effect on anybody. Fear can have a devastating effect on anybody physically. Fear can paralyze you mentally. Fear, it has it was fear that made the whole army of Israel tremble before Goliath. Fear will stop you from reaching your God-given destiny. Fear will cripple you into thinking that if I make a mistake, fear will make simple tasks seem so impossible. Fear will make you miss the opportunities in front of you. Fear will make you, fear will make you fail achieve the achievable. Fear will stop you from achieving your goals. Fear will kill every hope you have. Fear. A man was walking on a California, California beach and as he was walking, he saw this lamp. He picked it up, cleaned it up, and rub it on the side. And when he rubbed it, a genie came out. And the genie said, make one wish, only one wish, and I will grant it to you. And so he said to himself, I am afraid of airplane. I cannot fly. I am afraid of both. 
sickness. I get seasick when I ride on a boat. So he turned to the, to the genie and said, I want you to build me a bridge from here in California all the way to Hawaii. And, and the genie said, that is impossible. That is absolutely impossible. Do you know how deep is Pacific Ocean? Just five miles down deep. How can you pour a concrete there? How many uh, uh, irons or metals that you need? To build that. It is absolutely, absolutely impossible. Make another wish. The genie said. So he thought for a few seconds. He said. My wife said that I am insensitive. And he said to the genie. He said. Make me understand women. Why do they cry when they are sad? Why do they cry when they are mad? Why do they cry when they are happy? Help me understand women. And the genie said, about that highway to Hawaii, you wanted two lanes or four lanes? But not all fear are negative. Fear can also have a, a positive effect. Fear of failure makes you strive hard and to make you give all your best. Fear will dictate to you to stay away from danger whenever you see one. You see wild animals that you know will harm you. Fear sets in and tells you to do evasive action. Run. That's when the self-preservation instinct kicks in. Do you know the most fearful words husbands dread to hear from their wives? You want to know why? The words are, we need to talk. Because you know you're not going to be talking. You're just going to be listening. But there's another kind of fear that the Word of God tells us that every believer should have. It's a kind of fear that God is delighted to see in you. It's a kind of fear that brings benefits, many benefits. It's a kind of fear that brings wisdom to whoever possesses it. It's a kind of fear that brings health, wealth, honor, and long life. It's a kind of fear that brings blessings not only to your offsprings, but to your offsprings' offsprings. It's a kind of fear that makes a person to reverence and obey God. It's a kind of fear that makes you worship the one who created you. It's a kind of fear that makes you realize that you are nothing and that he is everything. It's a kind of fear that makes you bow down to the king of glory. It is a kind of fear that will keep you in a straight and narrow path. And this is called the fear of the Lord.
What is the fear of the Lord? First, let me tell you what it is not. The fear of the Lord is not to be afraid of the Lord. Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. If you can flash it, uh, please. Now we can read this. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. See the word afraid and fear of God is there. <clears throat> Moses clearly differentiates afraid from fear. The fear of the Lord is not to be afraid of the Lord. Secondly, the fear of the Lord is not to be scared of the Lord. How can you have a relationship with intimacy with God? And that's what's his number one desire for you, if you are scared of him. What do people do when they are afraid? When they are scared and terrified, they hide, they run away, they lie, they do stupid things. The person who is scared of God has something to hide. But the person who fears God has nothing to hide. What did Adam do the moment he sinned? He hides from the presence of the Lord. God came to the garden looking for Adam and said, Where art thou? How many of you know that when God asks a question, He is not looking for information? He knows the answer. Right? If God asks you, where are you? It is not because he doesn't know where you are. It's because he wants to know if you know where you are. God said to Adam, where are you? And Adam faced trouble like a man. He blamed it on his wife. He said, God, this woman that you gave me. You know that Adam and Eve had a perfect marriage. He didn't have to hear about all the guys she could have married. Right? She didn't have to hear about what a great cook his mother was. Adam and Eve... Adam, uh, one day Eve asked Adam, Adam, do you love me? And Adam looked at her and said, who else, Eve, who else? It's only you and me here. So Adam hid when he disobeyed God. What did Jonah do the moment he disobeyed God? He runs from the presence of the Lord. Well, he tried to. But the person who fears God has nothing to hide. They have no reason at all to run away from God. But instead, they are more scared to be away from God. They know full well that they cannot spend a moment without Him. The person who fears the Lord don't run away from Him. Instead, they run towards Him. 
In fact, the fear of the Lord draws you more closely to Him. You don't want to leave His presence because in, the presence, in His presence, there is fullness of joy. There is peace, there is protection, there is contentment. The fear of the Lord makes you tremble at His word. The fear of the Lord makes you think what is right and what is holy. Makes you think and do what is right and what is holy. The fear of the Lord makes you walk in the straight path of righteousness. The fear of the Lord makes you obey His will. The fear of the Lord makes you treat other people fairly. The fear of the Lord is the result of being in His presence. The result of knowing Him and realizing that God is unimaginably majestic and glorious and holy and supreme, that if He were to show up, it would cause your knees to break and for everyone to fall down on their faces and worship. Having this fear of the Lord is what drives a Christian to maturity, to holiness, to knowledge and wisdom, and so much more. And that is why Proverbs 1.7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if it is the beginning of wisdom, then we can say that the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Job 28.28 even says that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. What then is the real meaning of the fear of the Lord? One word that best defines the fear of the Lord is the word reverence. The fear of the Lord is to reverence Him. It is to honor Him and esteem Him above anything or anyone else. It is to value and respect Him more than anyone else. So therefore, what He loves, you love. What He hates, you hate. What is important to Him is important to you. There are three marks of a true fear of the Lord. One, obedience to God. Number two is hatred of evil. Number three, trembling at His word. The first mark of a true fear of the Lord is obedience to God. Abraham proved that he feared God by obeying God's command to sacrifice his son. The true fear of the Lord is to obey Him. Do you fear God that you obey Him instantly? Do you fear God that you obey Him when it doesn't make sense? Do you fear God that you obey Him even when it hurts? Do you fear God that you obey Him even when you don't see any benefit at all? Do you fear God that you obey Him to completion? The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15.22 says that obedience is better than sacrifice. That means you can worship all you want. You can praise all you want. You can pray all you want. But these are all meaningless unless it is joined by 
obedience. Noah obeyed God. Abraham obeyed God. Moses obeyed God. David obeyed God. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I ask you to do? Then again, Jesus said, You are my disciples if you do whatsoever I ask you to do. The point is this. You don't have the right to claim Jesus as your Lord if you do not obey him. Plain and simple. John 14:15 says, If you love me, you will obey my command. Verse 21 of the same chapter adds, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. In short, your claim to accept Jesus as Lord is empty till you obey his teachings. When you fear God, you will obey him. The second mark of the true fear of the Lord is that there must be hatred of evil. Far too many people in our age of tolerance are, and trying to be inclusive, we fail to realize the importance of hating what is evil. We have been idolizing rock stars, movie stars, sports stars, and even fallen stars, even though they are not living to the standards that God has set in His words. Yet we follow and copy their lifestyles. There is a teaching that Jesus Christ got along with everyone. That's purely nonsense. Jesus was not tolerant, nor was he inclusive. He said, he who is not for me is against me. That is not tolerant, and that's not inclusive. Jesus said, I am the door, and no one comes to the Father but by me. That's not tolerant, and that's not inclusive. The Bible, this Bible is not tolerant, nor an inclusive book, for it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That's not tolerant. That's not inclusive. This book says that the wages of sin is death. That's not tolerant. And that's not inclusive. This book says that the soul that sins shall surely die. And that's not tolerant. And that's not inclusive. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 says, Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. What's happening in our day and age is that we are embracing evil and renaming, renaming them so it doesn't sound offensive anymore. Right? So it will sound inclusive and people-friendly. Adultery is now called free love. It's a cute title, but it's not free. It's not love. It's lust. 
We have worshipped other gods and called it tolerance and inclusion. We have endorsed perversion and called it an alternative lifestyle. We have killed our unborn children and we called it choice. We have neglected to discipline our children and we called it developing self-esteem. We don't hate sin anymore. We have polluted the airwaves with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We don't hate sin anymore. We don't believe that sin destroys life anymore. You know, people are offended when a pastor tells them that the cause of their problem is sin. But they will pay lots of money to pay a psychiatrist to tell them that they are a nutcase. Think how silly that is. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. The reason why people are not afraid to commit sin is because they don't have the fear of the Lord. Because it is the fear of the Lord that keeps us from sin. Exodus 20.20 says, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. I remember a story of an evangelist who visited Jim Baker. You know Jim Baker? He was a televangelist in the 80s. And he visited Jim Baker during his last year in in, in prison. If you don't know him, he was one of the t uh, TV hosts of the PTL Club, a popular evangelical Christian television program. Uh, and there was a sex scandal led to his resignation from the ministry and subsequent revelations of accounting fraud brought him about, uh, brought about his imprisonment. This is a true story. So when this evangelist was visiting uh, Jim Baker, and they became kind of relaxed with each other, the evangelist asked him, he asked Jim Baker, at what point did you lose your love for God? He asked uh, Jim Baker. And Jim Baker said, this is what he said, you know, I didn't lose my love for God. What I lost is the fear of the Lord. You know, you can say, you can profess that you love the Lord. But if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you will keep on sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning. That's why it says there, the fear of the Lord will be with you to 
keep you from sinning. That's what's its purpose. The fear of the Lord will prevent you from sinning. It's not the love for God. You can profess. A lot of people would come to church, praise the Lord, sing hallelujah, and go home. And where, when they are in front of their computer, they go to their porn sites and all websites. Unbelievable. And yet, they say they love the Lord. You see, that's why it's so important that we have the fear of the Lord in our hearts. And that's the one that will keep us from sinning. The point is, if all you have is love for God, you become lawless. If all you have is the fear of the Lord, you become a Pharisee. Think about that. We desperately need both love for God and the fear of the Lord to walk the straight path of righteousness. We need both the love for God and the fear of the Lord. I look at these two, the love of God and the fear of the Lord, as like a railing on a narrow straight road. You need both of them, the love for God and the fear of the Lord, both of them, so that you can walk in the straight path of righteousness. The third mark of a true fear of the Lord is trembling at His word. Do you tremble at His word when you open the Bible? When you open the pages of the Bible, do you tremble at this word? Or you just ignore it, just read it, just like reading a newspaper? Do you tremble at this word? The person who fears the Lord trembles at his word. I'm not talking about trembling or shaking of the body, but rather trembling of the soul and the heart of a person in reverence toward the word of God. The person who trembles at his word is the one who respects the word of God and take it, take it very, very seriously. They know in their hearts that the Bible is the very word of God and breath of God. The one who trembles at his word is the one who fears the Lord. Do you desire to read it daily? Do you have that desire to know his will every day? Do you delight in reading his word? Do you have this fear of the Lord where when you read his word, you get a sense of the power of God and how big he really is. The person who trembles at his word hides God's word in his heart. They're hungry for the word and meditate on it day and night. How do you, de excuse me, how do you develop the fear of the Lord? Just as faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, 
the same can be said for the fear of the Lord. The more you read the word, the more he reveals himself to you. And the more he reveals, the more you know him and the more you will understand his might and majesty. Psalms 103 verse 11 says, For us the heavens are high above the earth. So great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Do you have the fear of the Lord? Do you have? Let us bow our heads and let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you for your word, Lord God. For your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, O oh God. Father, what, will, what are we going to do without your word, Lord God? It's only your word, Lord God, where we can know you. Father, we ask for forgiveness, Lord God, if we lost that fear of you, Lord. Lord, help us, Lord God, to find that fear of the Lord again in you. That we will tremble at your word, Lord God. That we, we will hate evil, Lord God. And that we will obey every word, every command that you command us to do, Lord God. Father, we, we just thank you for this wonderful, wonderful day, Lord God, that you've spoken us through our hearts, Lord God. Father, may, may you live in our hearts, O oh God. And Lord, and as we go on separate ways today, Lord God, may your mercies, may your traveling mercies be upon us, Lord God. And may they see Jesus in our hearts, Lord God. And may, may we share Jesus to everyone who asks about you, Lord God. Father, we give you back all the glory, the honor, and the praises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. Praise the Lord.